Okay, we're right in the middle of our series called Awkward Moments, and I, I hope you're enjoying this. I know I'm enjoying this, and I've got another, actually two awkward moments to talk about today, but a couple of weeks ago we started this series, and uh, we talked about the, uh, actually, the woman at the well, and talked about harvest, and there's, a, there's another slide, if you could just go to the next slide, please, and... Uh, Two weeks ago or three, we talked about harvest and, and the fact that even though it was awkward for Jesus to be speaking to this woman at the well, he went beyond all of that awkwardness and because and, he had a heart for the harvest. And I don't know about you, but that's what I want. I want in my heart, I want to have sort of an attitude and a desire to see people come to know Jesus Christ. And Jesus said what the lesson there, of course, he was talking to his disciples and he said, listen, Lift up your eyes to the harvest because it's great. It's ready. There's people in your world and mine that it may, it may not seem like it, but they're actually ready to hear the story of what Jesus has done for you. They are. They're out there. And uh, God has them for you. We also talked about the bread of life, and that was probably one of the most awkward times uh, in the in the ministry of Jesus when uh he, uh, he, he said, if, if you can't eat my body and drink my blood, you don't have life in you. That's quite a statement. But we need to be people who receive him and who embrace him and who he is in our lives. And uh, then, of course, last week we talked about purity. And Jesus talked about how that when men look at women, uh, they, they need to have pure thoughts, pure hearts and not get involved with the uh, lust that's in the world. And today, I want to talk to you about two women and prayer. Two women and prayer. We're going to start in Luke chapter 18. And if you have your Bibles or your apps with you, you can take a look. We, we have some of the key phrases on the slide, but not all of the Scripture. And I want to tell this story of the uh, persistent widow and uh, there, there she is there. Uh, she is still grieving with her black outfit on, and she's chasing the judge. That's what's happening up there. Uh, but one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and not give up. Now, that is, that is a, a spoiler alert right there. That's the reason he's told the story, okay? Right from the very, right at the very beginning, he didn't tell a story because it was an interesting story, and he didn't tell a story because you can learn what God is like, because uh, you're not going to learn what God is like by looking at this judge. But he told the story in order to, uh, to, to motivate us to pray and never give up. So here's the story. He said this. <clears throat> there was a judge in a certain city who neither feared God or cared about people, he had an attitude. A widow of that city came him to him repeatedly, saying, Give me justice. And what she was asking for is revenge. I, I, I want vengeance. I want you to punish this person. So whatever her situation was, and she could have been a victim of all kinds of things. It could have been financial. It could have been a, a sexual attack. It could have been all kinds of things. 
that she was in court for, and she was trying to get the judge to give her justice, and he wouldn't listen to her. And she's asking for vengeance. It was quite a strong word. And, and so she came repeatedly saying, give me vengeance in this dispute with my enemy. Strong words. The judge ignored her for a while. But finally, he said to himself, I don't fear God, and I don't care about people. But this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. So here's this, this judge and this woman. He's chasing af- she's chasing after him and trying to get him to do something for her. And the Lord said, learn a lesson from this judge, from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think that God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Uh, I'd like to stop and just pray right now because that's partly what this, that's, well, totally what this message is about, but let's pray. Heavenly Father, your word is life to us, and we just pray that your word will speak to us, and we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So he said that the, the purpose of this story was to teach us to, first of all, always to pray. And prayer is one of those things that is really part of a spiritual battle because there's someone out there, and it's the enemy, it's Satan, who hates you and hates your fellowship with God. He hates it when you pray. See, God loves it when you pray. The devil hates it when you pray. So he attacks with, those, with all kinds of thoughts, all kinds of negativity. He attacks us to try to make us, make us stop praying. And we get busy, we get distracted, we, are, we have all kinds of things that come against us. We have insecurities, we have doubts, we have fears. Anybody with me on that? Is it ever, is it ever sort of a battle? To, why should it be so hard to pray? I mean, God loves you. God loves us. He wants to spend time with us, and we want to spend time with Him. And we, for the most part, it seems that Christians, they always feel like they don't pray enough. Anyway, have you ever heard of that? Have you ever felt like that? It's not meant to be like a whole guilt trip. It's not meant to be so hard. But God loves us, and yet it's this spiritual battle. And Jesus says, listen, I'm telling you this story. The reason I'm telling you this story is because I want you to pray, and I don't want you to give up. I want you to pray. And this certain, uh, the widow of that city, it says she came to him and asked him for help, asked this judge for help. And then uh, verse 7, it says, God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him. Cry out to God. You know, sometimes I think what happens with, and I'll just maybe, this is a, you know, confession. What is it called? Full disclosure. Uh, There's times when I pray and I say, Lord, would you please help me or whatever. I just, and then I, and then that's it. And I stop praying. And I think, well, that didn't work. Let me try something else. But, the, you know, sometimes you need to pray more than once. Sometimes you need to pray and not give up. Sometimes you need to cry out to God. But I'm such a good Canadian Christian, I barely peep. Oh, I pray in my thoughts. You know what? The Bible talks about praying, talking when we pray. 
when Jesus, his disciples said, come and, and, I, and I want you to uh, teach us how to pray Jesus. What's the first thing he said? When you pray, say, our Father. Because our thoughts are our thoughts, and God, of course, he can read your mind. He knows your thoughts from far away. You can pray in your mind, and that's not bad. But if you really want to have, you know, something happen in your own life, and your own experience, you need to, sometimes you need to pray you when you cry out to me day and night. Man, sometimes I don't even want to pray more than once a week. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's not really true. But, you know, God wants us to, to kind of get involved in this relationship. It's not all one way where God pours out his blessing and we say, oh, okay. And then he just, that's, that's our part, is just to say yes to him. And then that's it. You know, but God wants us to be involved with him, to be involved with his work. We can pray in intercession for others. Listen, if you don't have any needs at all, cry out to God for people that are in need. I was thinking this morning, you know, that snow came down. I think it stopped now. At least it had stopped little bit of snow. Shannon's grinning at us. She's from the, the snow belt of Ontario. She's glad to be here. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, and I was thinking of something quite serious. Um, I, I was thinking about the 300,000 Christians in North Korea that are in prison right now. And I got a feeling they don't have heated cells. And um, tomorrow they'll still be in prison. Likely next week, likely the week after that. And we can pray for them, and we can cry out to God for them. If you got nothing in your life to cry out about, you know, don't just feel guilty that we don't have to go to prison. Cry out to God on their behalf. I'm just trying to give you some, some, some practical help here. God wants us to get involved with prayer. Now, you may have heard of a fellow named Watchman Nee. He was a very prolific Christian teacher, and he said this about prayer. Uh, our prayers lay the track down which God's power can, on which God's power can come. Like a mighty locomotive, his power is irresistible, but it doesn't reach us without the rails. It's like the connection between us and God. And our, our, you know, our prayers, you know, people say prayer works, and I'm not going to argue with that, except I don't believe that's true. Prayer is effective. And it connects us with the power of God that works. It's God that works, not prayer. My prayers are a connection. My prayers don't work. It's God's power at work. My prayers connect. It's like uh, I, that Watchman Nee used the, the train tracks. I like to use a light switch. You know, I can go and I can turn on the lights, and I can go and turn off the lights. I can turn on the lights, but I'm not making the lights come on. It's the electrical grid that's making the lights come on. There's just the connection. And our prayers are what connect us with Almighty God. Hallelujah. People should always pray. Should always pray. You know, you can pray. One of my favorite places, I've probably said this too, too many times, but my wife's out teaching kids' church now, so I can say, repeat my story. I love, I love it when there's no one else in the stairway like in an office building or whatever, and I, I can pray out loud in the Spirit. It just, with all the echoing, it just, just makes me feel so mighty, you know. It's just great. I'll, you can pray when you're walking up the stairs. You don't have to come to church to pray. 
You don't have to kneel down by your bed and pray or, or be sitting at a meal and, you know, pray for the food or whatever. You can pray anywhere. You can pray anytime. I pray in the shower. I, you know, it's just great. You can pray before you wake up. You can pray, and that's a good time to pray in your mind, if, you know, if your spouse is still sleeping. Otherwise, you know. <laughs> but we can pray anywhere. God wants us to always pray. And he, said, he went on to say, and never give up. The widow came to him repeatedly. You know, it's true that, um, you know, God heard you the first time, no doubt. But he talks about this. He says, crying out to him day and night. Crying out to God day and night. I was thinking about this woman and the culture that she lived in and the fact that this judge wasn't listening to her. I was thinking, you know, there's a time when the Apostle Paul was in prison and his... uh, I think it was one of the kings of, you know, maybe it wasn't Herod, Philip, the Tetrarch, or whoever it was. I can't remember. And they were delaying his time getting out of jail, hoping for a bribe. I don't know if you remember that story. But maybe this judge was just waiting for the woman to sort of grease the wheels of justice, you know. I don't know. Maybe it was because of the misogyny in that whole culture where women were just, you know, downgraded to, you know, really second-class uh, creatures. Maybe it was some patronizing thought. Maybe it was condescending. It certainly was dismissive. No doubt it was dismissive. Have you ever felt like you just weren't worthy? Have you ever felt like you weren't getting through because you, you didn't deserve anything anyway? Did you ever feel insecure or fearful in your prayers? God wants us to hold on to the truth that he has made us his children. He wants us to hold on to the truth that we can, that we can appeal to, even appeal to God's justice and his, his decency. She was, this woman was appealing to the judge. I've got rights. I've got civil rights. I, you know, come on, give me, give me vengeance. I've been mistreated. And God wants us to get past these things that hinder us. What sort of circumstantial barriers are, are you facing in your life? when you approach God right now? Is there shame in your life? Is there unforgiveness in your heart? Uh, Is there fear? Is there insecurity? God wants us to not live with that. Not live with that. God wants us to have freedom in our relationship with Him. We're going to be having, uh, in a little bit here, we're going to be having communion. I want to encourage you. The Bible talks about the communion time is a time for us to sort of examine our hearts and Ask the Lord to show us. And let's not continue in this sort of insecurity, these things that hinder us in our prayers. God looks at you and he loves you. Remember, we talked about this at the very beginning of the service. There's no one that knows you better than Jesus Christ knows you. And there's nobody that loves you more than Jesus Christ loves you. That's, that's our posture in prayer. We're okay. <laughs> it, you know, we come to Christ, and we come on the, through Jesus Christ on the basis of what he has done for us. Jesus went on to talk about this. He said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think that God will surely give justice to his chosen people? Now, this woman was 
part of the nation of Israel. She was part of the chosen people. And she was what I'm calling an, an insider. Even, the, even though she was being objectified and even though she was being uh, dismissed and there was all kinds of social pressures excuse me, that worked against her, she was part of the chosen people. And in the book of Peter, it says that, that you are a chosen generation. Those who are in Christ Jesus is part of God's chosen people. You are royal priests. You are a holy nation. You are God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. And so God is saying, look, you're, you're part of that inner circle of being the chosen people. I've chosen you. I've redeemed you. I've called you by your name. I want to invite you to call on me, and I will answer you. That's God's invitation for you. He told this story so that we would always pray and not give up, in spite of the fact that this was a very awkward situation. Now, then it talks about uh, the fact that Jesus went to another location. He left Galilee and went to the northern region of Tyre and Sidon. Now, I have to tell you, I've been a Christian for, I don't know, 60 years. I've been reading the Bible. I've been a pastor for way too long. And I didn't really, didn't really clue into me how far away this was. It's about 55 kilometers as the crow flies, but to, you can't get there from here. You have to go way around, and it's like 400 and over 400 kilometers to get there. That's a long way when you're not driving at, you know, 90 miles an hour. It, it was a pretty long walk to get there. And Jesus, he was, uh, this was at a time where he just needed a break. It's a long ways to go for a vacation. <laughs> but he went to the seaside to the, to, uh, to the place, and it, there's a picture on the next slide that shows you know, there's the Mediterranean. If you've ever been to the Mediterranean, it's, it's beautiful. Blue water, warm. It's always, it's always nice and warm. Well, usually nice and warm there anyway. A couple of times I've been there, it's been great. And, uh, of course, you can't really see the water too much from there, but that's what some of the ruins are. Some of those, some of those things I, I think maybe were there when Jesus uh, walked those, those streets. The, the first one was an actual just a story that Jesus told. And this one is, is a, something that actually happened in Jesus' life. And, and he was there on vacation. He was in a home, and he said he, he was hoping that no one would be able to find him. That's what it says in the Bible. And uh, we're in Mark chapter 7. And uh, in verse 24, it says he left Galilee, and then he went. Uh, it says he didn't want anyone to know which house he was staying in, but he couldn't keep it a secret. He just couldn't resist helping people. <laughs> he couldn't resist. So, so people found out. And so verse 25, it says, Right away, a woman who had heard about him came and fell at his feet, and her little girl was possessed by an evil spirit, and she begged him to cast out the demon from her daughter. And now that's the story in Mark. The same story in Matthew. We'll stay right there on that slide. It's... She said, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. Now, here's a Gentile woman, a Phoenician, going to Jesus on the basis of the 
of the uh, Son of David card. And she didn't have the right to do that. Like the first woman, the, the widow, she was part of the inner circle. She was part of the, the Jewish nation. This woman was a Gentile. She couldn't go to Jesus on the basis of him being son of David. Like that wasn't part of her credentials. But that's how she started. She's, she's thought, well, I've heard this before somewhere. I'll give it a shot. And uh, she said, my daughter's possessed by a demon that torments her severely. And then Matthew it says in Matthew, Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. <laughs> and then the disciples, they're there. They're saying, the disciples said, send her away, Lord. Tell her to go away. She's bothering us with all of her begging. Now, the words that we have written down in the Bible aren't, quote, unquote, all that begging. But she was like that first woman in the first story. She was not giving up. She was begging and it goes on to say, Lord, I'm asking for your mercy. <laughs> I'm asking for your help. Have compassion on me. Now Jesus starts to listen. But what he says to her is one of the most shocking things that has been said to a woman in all, the, in all of history. A lot of you women have had some terrible things said to you. This woman had some terrible things said to her by Jesus Christ himself. And it's really awkward. It, it, I never really liked this story until I really started thinking about what it actually was going on here. And what Jesus said to her, you know, here she is. You know, her daughter's demon-possessed and suffering. And she's a mom. And her kid's suffering and asking Jesus for help. And, and he, he says to her, it's not right for me to take the food from the children and give it to the dogs. Oh, my goodness. What an offensive thing to say. And you know what I'm wondering about? Let me just say this, just clear, in case you're wondering. I do not believe for a moment that Jesus considered her a dog, like a worthless person. But the culture in which they were living, the Jews just matter-of-factly, called non-Jewish people dogs. It was just what they did. They grew up with it. And, you know, some of us are old enough to remember that we used to say things about other races, and we would call people, use, use words to describe other races in a very derogative way. And we didn't, we didn't think anything of it. And it wasn't like we weren't, it was bad, but it, we didn't mean anything bad by it. I know that Back in the day, as, as Germans, we were called krauts. I don't even like sauerkraut. Like, what's up with that? But here, the Jewish people, it was just a matter of course, and I don't know if the disciples had in the past referred to Gentiles as dogs in the, in the company of Jesus or not. Maybe they had a talk about it and a heart-to-heart and as, as they say, a come-to-Jesus moment, and Jesus was actually the one that was asking them to come to Jesus. And he said, listen, you can't talk about, you know, the Gentiles like that. Maybe that happened. I don't know. But I think maybe Jesus was talking to her for the disciples' sake. Maybe there was other people around. He wanted to make a point here that that's, that's not the way God operates. And so she said, so, you know, she, she came to, uh, to him with, a, with an appeal 
for mercy. She says, have mercy on me. But she didn't even, she didn't even uh, argue with the dog thing. She went with it. She said, well, it's, it's true, Lord, but even the dogs under the table are allowed to eat the scraps from the children's plates. And Jesus, he says, good answer. <laughs> your faith, uh, he said, now go home. The, de- the devil has left your daughter. Uh, in Matthew, that's Mark. In Matthew, he's quoted as saying, dear woman, he said, great is your faith. You know what I want for you and me? I want Jesus to talk about you and me like that. Great is your faith. You know, this, this persistent widow, this is slide 17. If we go to the next, I think it's the next one. This persistent widow was the insider, and this Phoenician woman was the outsider. And these are the lessons from these two stories. Jesus wants us to pray. We need to be people of prayer. You know, I have to say, sometimes I worry about stuff. Full disclosure, I'm just saying. Sometimes I worry about stuff, and I haven't even prayed about it yet. Like, why should I worry first and pray second? Like, that is, that doesn't even make sense. I mean, I, like I said, I've been a Christian for so long. I'm like, I'm older than dirt. So I, I should know better than that, but I still worry. Sometimes. But at least, at least let's worry second. If we're going to worry, pray first. At least pray first. And then maybe you won't have to worry, especially if you're praying and not giving up, right? Then we don't have time for worry. So prayer, persistence, having faith. Jesus said, man, woman, your faith is great. You have big faith. She had humility. She, she wasn't going to say, well, you know, I got rights too. I'm a person. Oh, I'm not, I'm not a dog. She said, listen. Whatever you say, okay, fine. But even the dogs get to lick up the crumbs. She wasn't giving up. I like that. She wasn't allowing offenses to come to her. Oh, I deserve better. Maybe, maybe not. I'm I'm really glad I don't get what I deserve sometimes. She had an overcoming attitude. She they had these both these women, they had to overcome this condescension. They had to overcome dismissive treatment. They had to overcome insecurity. They had to overcome fear. They had to overcome rejection. Well, I got all this stuff happening. Me too. Those two women as well. And Jesus is saying, this is how we're meant to act. Just let it go. Move into prayer. Move into prayer, overcoming prayer, persevering prayer. Awkward stuff. Sometimes it just isn't quite as easy as we think it's supposed to be. <laughs> These two women, my goodness. And I knew I, you know, we have a lot of women in our congregation. And I, I just want you to know I'm so glad that, that we do. I'm glad, glad you're here. And us guys and us women, you women, us all, we need to be people of prayer. Come on. Come on, let's use these. Let's, I, I want to be a person who sees the harvest. I want to be a person who's connected with Jesus so strong that I'm eating his flesh and drinking his blood. I, I want to be a person of purity. I want to be a person of prayer. Amen? Amen. Amen.
Pastor John Clark is going to lead us in communion. And as he comes, maybe the people that are going to serve the communion could come. But let me just pray with you while, while that's happening. Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you for your grace in our lives. God, I want to be a man of prayer. I want you to say to me, great is your faith. Lord, teach me to pray. Lord, give me grace. Lord, I believe. (laughs) Forgive my unbelief. Lord, I want to be a man of great faith uh, and persevering in my prayer. I know that's all of us. I pray the same for each and every one in Jesus' name.